Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 31 of Ape Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. What's going on, brother? What's the crack? Happy Holidays to you as well, PT. The crack is that it's, you know, well, it's Christmas Eve at time of recording. And I am just looking forward to a day of food and drink tomorrow. So that's that's it. That's my Christmas wish. That is all that I need. This is Christmas. This is Christmas. If you're listening to this on premiere day, I want to wish you a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. And hope folks are enjoying their holiday season. Long there, Joker, fantastic that you are looking forward to uh, the festivities. One of the best things about the holiday season, and for the most part, really about anything holiday, is really the food we get to eat. And I, much like yourself, am very much looking forward to having having a bit of food and just catching up with some some family and just kind of overall looking forward to just kind of a more relaxed chill vibe uh this holiday season i think that's it's one of the things about the holidays is it does allow everybody to sort of sort of let their hair down as much as i have um and you know enjoy themselves and um not not take things too seriously at least for a day uh enjoy the company of family and uh uh if, well you know if you're if you're benef- benefiting enough to actually experience the 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 family uh, rundown and great um but like you know it, it's one of those things that uh, i think that i still only care about the food and if my family tries to eat my food i'm gonna stab him with a fork especially my brother because i know he's sitting beside me tomorrow and i'm gonna stab him with my fork if he tries to take my turkey or ham he has tried before he has regretted it i know it's one of those things that like we aforementioned on some of the uh, more prominent holidays, food's a kind of a big proponent. And every once in a while, you can kind of have sort of a, a bigger meal or a feast or something, or you might have something prepared that you may otherwise just really not have throughout the year. So I can understand, much like seeing friends and family and the joyous nature of a holiday, food is a big part. So I am wishing you during your festive holiday that you get copious amounts of food and you are feeling fulfilled both mind body spirit and soul booze that too remember to stay hydrated folks (laughs) but we appreciate everybody coming along on this journey as mentioned, we are recording this just the day before, so it's Christmas Eve for us. But on launch day, it'll be Christmas Day. So once again, for the folks that celebrate, Merry Christmas. I have a happy holiday season and happy holidays for the folks out there. And I know this isn't, for everyone, the sometimes kind of brightest part of the year for many folks. So Maybe if you're listening to this during this particular week at the end of the year, maybe we can uh, brighten your day and make you smile a little bit. So we appreciate you coming along on this journey. So like you said before, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Have a wonderful 
festive festivus and just all around good times for everybody out there. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey. As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at a very special Eric Young TNA Christmas episode of Impact. We look at a Vince McMahon, Ric Flair dueling Christmas parties on an episode of Raw. And we look at a bit of the nature of Christmas in wrestling. So, coming up first. An Eric Young TNA Christmas. So, in lieu of the holiday season, we wanted to try a little something different and sort of look at an very interesting and infamous, shall we say, episode of TNA Impact. And this particular episode is from December 20th, 2007 episode of TNA Impact. Uh, Before we kick into the episode proper, Joker, I'll just kind of throw it over to you. I know you mentioned that you may not have had a ton of experience with TNA, but this is TNA about five years in ballpark. This is when we're starting to get a little bit more of the stars and crossover. Are you familiar at all? Before you watched the episode in question, were you familiar at all with sort of this time frame or TNA in general? Oh, heck no. I had no idea what I was getting myself in for before I watched this. Um, I had, um, you know, I had awareness that TNA existed, but I had no idea what was going on. And it's safe to say, neither did most of TNA. That is definitely an understatement. This is a bit of a wacky sort of episode where, again, we have a sort of festive nature to it, as we'll get into it. This is a very, I'll just say, unusual episode of TNA Impact. As we kick into it, the TNA voiceover guy exclaims, Shut the hell up. You had better watch out. Santa Claus is coming to TNA. So we know. We're in for a real treat. Mm -hmm. As before mentioned, the amazing part of this special Christmas episode is it cuts back and forth between the Christmas party at Eric Young's house, which of course is just a, looks like a studio set on the back lot of Universal, of course, and that's back and forth between that and gimmick matches. Now, not only are these gimmick matches, but these are gimmicked gimmick matches so can't wait for this the absolute bollocks for this so of which we start off in eric young's house with eric himself dressed in green and white accented elf costume excitedly telling jb jeremy borash that santa is coming and what's the recurring theme throughout the night we meet a cavalcade of guests the first of which is kimberly the monkey girl who is apparently Eric's younger sister. Naturally, she has a lemur rather than a monkey and is dressed in a skimpy Santa costume. We see Eric Young's cousins, uh, the lads from Phi Delta Slam, in overalls. Uh, They used to also be famous for being the security for the main event mafia. 
and the first guest of which we meet Bushwhacker Luke, who Eric declares to be his Uncle Leo, and of course doing the Bushwhacker Bounce. So we're already starting off ridiculous in this very first opening segment. And we cut to the first of the gimmick to gimmick matches. This is the Christmas Chaos Cage match featuring the Rock and Rave Infection and Beer Money taking on LAX, Scott Steiner, and Booker T with the latter team of Booker T, Scott Steiner, and LAX winning. I have the only thing of note here was Booker T gets in the hot tag, runs wild, and basically jobs out Lance Hoyt, which now, of course, some folks would be familiar with him as Lance Archer in AEW and New Japan. Jimmy Rave, James Storm, and Robert Roode, because Booker T is an actual star, no disrespect to the lads. So, Joker, we are off to a hot start with this one. Yeah. Okay, so like, obviously, let me just start off by saying that um, I really like the six-sided ring. Right? This is coming from somebody who has never watched TNA, never thought that I'd ever watch anything to do with TNA, but I really like the six-sided ring. I think it's unique. I think it's fun. I think it's cool. In a cage match scenario, it sucks to high hell. What is going on in this match? I legitimately had my head in my hands going, what, what, what is, like, why? And it's an eight-man tag match in a cage. Yeah. Eight-man tag matches are really bad for keeping people on the side of the ring at the best times on a four-sided ring. Those things are huge. There's four guys at one side and four guys really close by. <laughs> You're like, oh, what's going on? And it's a cage. And yeah, I think there's a couple of like spots where people were getting thrown into the cage and it looked so flimsy that I thought it was going to fall apart and it's just going to collapse on people. And yeah, the highlight of the match was uh, was Booker T running wild. Um, and and that, that was it. Like legitimately, I looked at this and went, Huh. It was just a it was just spot, 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 Booker T spot and Yeah, for the most part, it was pretty much that. Uh no offense to uh Lance Hoyt, again the now Lance Archer, but he was in the earlier stages of his career and you know he's he didn't kind of kind of grow into the sort of the kind of bigger star that he would be today. And then obviously with uh beer money, James Storm and Robert Roode weren't quite there yet. This was before Robert Roode became a world champion in TNA. So obviously you have a special episode. You got to let the, uh, and the bigger name kind of go over. And that's what happened. I mean, as far, as far as gimmick matches go, right. Cause like you said, at the stop at the, the top of the show, he's, this is just filled with gimmicked gimmick matches. This is the least gimmicked gimmick match on the card. Like legitimately it probably could have done with a little bit more gimmicks and it might have been interesting but the funny thing is this was the one that they really didn't touch too much with additional gimmicks and it stunk like it was just bad you know i'll, I'll give you that like you mentioned, these are gimmick gimmick matches so we have a cage i do like the little sprinkling of some holiday lights on the cage itself <laughs> that's right 
but notwithstanding it was like this the match in question could have just not had a cage it had every once in a while which wasn't much they threw the guys into the cage but this very much could have been without a cage so yeah yeah if you had just thrown in everybody on one side in santa claus outfits and everybody on the other side in elf outfits and you know i don't know beating each other to to, to pieces with uh candy canes then it, you know that you know could have done anything there but like i don't know it just too many egos in that match so you just have a normal cage match then booker t brother and then you mentioned, of course, that the this was a gimmick gimmick matches, and it seemed on a simpler side. Oh boy, do we ramp up later in the episode? Oh yeah. All right. So after the match, we go back to Eric's house. Doorbell rings, and it's not Santa. Oh, it's the beautiful people, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. They tell Eric that they've come to service the guest because it's 2007 wrestling. Doorbell rings again, and it's ODB. ODB comes in, pushing up her chest and chugging from her flask. Quite the interesting notion, again, for folks that aren't familiar with TNA. Eric asks if uh, she's also here to service the guests, which prompts ODB to ask him, what do I look like? A salute? Once again, 2007 wrestling. She then asks Eric where the booze is, and he points over to the bar, and she goes and helps herself to some liquor. The doorbell rings again, and it's Awesome Kong. Uh, She does not look particularly happy to be there, and Eric tells her that she can be in charge of the bathroom. As we switch gears here back to the ringside area, Team 3D head out with Johnny Devine. Bubba Ray and Devon are dressed as Santa Claus, and Divine is dressed up like an elf. Don West, on commentary, says that Brother Ray, Brother Ray makes Santa look skinny. And oh boy, did that Santa outfit, bless his heart, y'all, did not fit Bubba well. That's really saying something, because like it, it was a really big outfit. Like Bubba, at this point in his career, was a big Bubba. This was not skinny Baba. This was not, you know, quite kind of toned Baba that he is at the minute. This was Baba at the buffet. Like, and still they couldn't get it to fit him. And it looked hilarious. <laughs> quite the look. All right. We now have, of course, the Brother Ray uh, in the outfit in the ring here. We have a trio of little people dressed as Machismo, Chris Sabin, and Alex Shelley, and head out to the ring. Uh, they each sit on Bubba Claus's lap. Little Alex Shelley sits on Bub- Brother Ray's lap and whispers his Christmas wish to Brother Ray. Apparently he wants a new computer so he can hide at home and put himself over to the 38 people who read his MySpace page. Bear in mind, 2007. MySpace. Little Machismo is the next to speak to Brother Ray. Apparently he wants to spend the night with SoCal Val. Ray gives him $5 and then tells him to bring back his change. Brother Ray continues to mock the little people until Machismo, Sabin, and Shelly run out and make the save. 
This is then prompted by the next gimmick match, which is a double North Pole match featuring the Motor City Machine Guns, again, of Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, and Black Machismo, better known as Jay Lethal, thing on uh, Team 3D and Johnny Divine, in which we see the Motor City Machine Guns of Black Machismo end up winning, grabbing the stocking for an Ultimate X match in the corner. Really, uh, it, there was always fun match when you have the Motor City Machine Guns and or Black and Cheese most slash Jay Lethal in the, the matchup itself. But I have note here that the Machine Guns hit the ECW Eliminators total elimination, and I marked out. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I just don't know. This is the beginning of the gimmick gimmick matches. Like, this is on a pole match to a, a degree where I, it's actually not a terrible concept. But this is like, whenever you give somebody a really good pat on the back for it, this is a, not a bad idea. Good job. Then they take it on to the extremes. Like, at the very start of this, the uh, the whole uh, little people coming in and sitting on Santa's lap and stuff and Baba was hilarious, uh, just uh, you know going back and forth with them and then just throwing them off him as soon as he was done. Like, dude, sometimes you forget how funny he is, how good comedic timing he has, and then you just remember that it's Baba Ryan. He's he's a tool. <laughs> so I mean. We get into this. We get into this match, and uh, you know the Motor City Machine Guns are are, are really really good. Um, Jay Lethal, Black Machismo, really really good. Two thousand seven. So my first sort of introduction to uh, the machine Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal was really only a year or two ago. Like it was not that long ago. So seeing them back here, I was really, really impressed that, you know, they've really only gotten better and better and better. So that's that's fun, fun to see. And then it was like, okay, well, what happened after that? <laughs> this is this is where I kind of got a wee bit upset. It was this was in the midst of uh Bubba Ray and Devon uh trying to get away with trying to rid the place of the X division, right? Yes, that's correct. Like they were trying to get rid of the X division at all, which, by the way, I like the X division. I like the concept of it. I thought it was really, really good. And they apparently lost the the X division match anyway. Like the, the, the Motor City Machine Guns and, and Jay Lethal, they they lost the next match because so for some stupid reason. Anyway, I was like, oh, <laughs> in typical wrestling fashion. So this was a double North Pole match. So you had two poles, one of which had a matchup for the Team 3D and the Machine Guns. And one pole had a uh, X Division match, an Ultimate X. And then the mm. other one sort of, if I'm not mistaken, had a glass table match. Yes, it did. So yes. in, typical, in typical wrestling fashion... The Motorcycle Machine Guns took the Ultimate X match, so the team, which has naturally an advantage, which would be the Machine Guns, because they are sort of X-Division-ish, have to lose in a match that favors them naturally. So the big old boys, Team 3D, win, end up winning that Ultimate X match. Thank you, wrestling cliches. Which is just the most unbelievable thing that you can think of 
because if then you 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 remember at the start of the conversation, Bubba Ray struggling to keep on the fat Santa suit, and you're like, that guy's that guy wins an X division match. Are you, are you are you serious here? And that that's why it was really really funny to me. But um, the concept that the 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 two the two pole match uh thing was really really fun. I liked it. I thought it was fun. And uh, Bubba Red hiking up his trousers every five seconds was um was uh was a joy to behold. Trish Stratus would be upset. Ellen would tell Bubba Ray to get a better belt. Unfortunately, so. <laughs> All right, and we uh, cut back to Eric's house. The doorbell rings yet again, and it's Kevin Nash holding some booze. The beautiful people flocked over to him. Uh, Eric informs Big Kev that Santa is coming, prompting Nash to declare, Oh, he's not the only one coming, buddy. Kevin Nash. Yeah. Cody B ends up calling the beautiful people sleuths, which leads to a big old catfight brawl in Eric's house. The doorbell rings yet again, and it's Kurt and Karen Angle, and Karen Angle's red dress. Oh, hot diggity daffodils once again, 2007 wrestling. I mean, if, if, uh, Jerry the King Lawler was there. All you would have heard in the background was puppies just screaming, "Puppies!" And you're like, oh, seriously, guys, like, hundred percent. The red dress was just tactical red dress. That's about it. You could say that. Got to bear in mind that this was a different time, about fifteen years or so ago, and you can have her hammer hammers out if she wants to. All right, moving on. Her <laughs> hammer hammers. Eric offers to service Kurt, but Kurt replies by asking, What are you, a cupcake? Kurt attempts to explain that Santa Claus is not real and that he's just a character like Shrek or Spider-Man. This leads Eric Young to thinking that Santa Claus, Shrek, and Spider-Man are all the same completely real person. Bless his heart, y'all. And this is enough to drive Karen Angle to start drinking. <laughs> All right, and then we come back to the ringside area for our next match, which, of course, is a Santa's Workshop street fight. We have ODB, Roxy Laveau, Ms. Jackie, Awesome Kong, Velvet Sky, Angelina Love, Gail Kim, and Christy Hemi, as well as Ms. Brooks all facing off. This is basically a street fight, you know, no DQ type of thing, but we have the, uh, the women dressed up in holiday-themed garb. You see, the winner, of course, ends up being Awesome Kong. And I have note here that this is definitely another chapter in the feud between Gail Kim and Awesome Kong, which for this particular time, once again, 2007, uh, TNA was a little bit ahead of WWE in terms of their women's division and, and women's uh, wrestling for sure. And Gail Kim and Awesome Kong were just having just banger after banger if i could steal a line from shamo at this time so they were definitely stalwarts in this but i had note here that gail kim just has a quite chair shot on awesome kong here yeah uh it kind of got me thinking like unprotected chair shots in tna probably needed to be uh done away with right after that because that was a savage chair shot like i like 
kudos to Kong. Kudos to Kong for taking that. But um, you really needed to put that hand up. That was hella brutal. Yeah, no taker protecting yourself, putting that hand up five feet before type of thing. But yeah, she just took the brunt of that. She took a couple chair shots, I think, like one to the gut, one to the back, and then, if I'm not mistaken. But definitely the exclamation point for that was Gail letting it rip and hitting her uh, with that chair on the head. Even now, again, too, it looks just brutal. And understandingly, now, obviously, what's come out with head injuries and things of that nature and potential CTEs, it's rough to look at 15 years later. Yeah, it's a spot that definitely didn't age well. But then again, neither did the Rock v. Mankind uh, last man standing match. So, Yeah, the Rumble. Yeah, kudos for sure. All right, so after that match, we cut back to Eric Young's house once again. See SoCal Val show up with some mistletoe. She goes in for a kiss from Black Machismo. But Sanjay Dutt, go ahead, like the cowardly villain he is, steals one instead. This is funny because I just watched Rampage before this, and Sanjay called uh, Jay Lethal his best friend ever. <laughs> like his best friend. Um, for however many years, and then I watch this, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's what best friends do right there, Sanjay, uh-huh. Yeah, in storyline, Black Machismo, Jay Lethal, and SoCal Val were boyfriend and girlfriend, they were gonna get married, if, uh, I forget exactly when that happens, but they have a whole wrestling marriage angle, and, of course, Sanjay being Black Machismo slash Jay Lethal's, Lethal's friend, ends up trying to uh, break up the wedding and wants to steal Val. So naturally, of course, we have some shenanigans going on there. And this harkens back to a quick hit slash short I, we had a couple of uh, weeks back with. Now we're seeing it proper. 2017 TNA is now all elite in AEW. Feel free to check that one out. Put a ton of work into that one. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. It was amazing. <laughs> It, that probably led the precursor for being us, us doing this sort of episode right now. I'm, I'm nearly 100% sure that's why you put pitch this. Perhaps, PT, with the foresight to think about it, but if you end up watching that short about 2007, uh, TNA being all elite in AEW, and you're watching the current product, and you're listening to this, it's all going to make sense. <laughs> Alright, we have the doorbell ring again, and it's Chris Harris. Chris Harris, of course, is not impressed by the party, noting, there ain't no music, there ain't no women. Of course, Eric is surprised that Christmas is also Chris Harris's birthday. Chris Harris gets mad that he has to share his birthday with someone and demands to know whose birthday it is. Taps the temple. <laughs> JC replies Eric Young sheepishly. Of course, Jim Cornette has a birthday on Christmas. Who'd he ever beat? Shouts Chris Harris. Very, very cheeky, very smart. So Jim Cornette, of course, being in the company at the time. That, that was good. I liked it. It's a shame Chris Harris definitely has some more personality. He was slightly more outshined by James Storm when he got to sort of get full-fledged and and show his more personality when he was in beer money with Robert Roode, but 
It was one of those things when they were in AM America's Most Wanted as the tag team. Chris Harris was definitely known as sort of the the wrestler wrestler. Uh, and then James Storm kind of being a good hand, but everybody thought Chris Harris was going to get breakout more, but just kind of didn't exactly pan out for him. James Storm, like I said, ended up going on to be in Beer Money with Robert Roode. Chris Harris infamously goes on to join WWE and debut in ECW as Braden Walker. Knock, knock. I'm going to knock your lights out, of course. Yeah. But things happen. But in this particular aspect, he got to show some personality. I thought this was definitely something that if we could get something that he could have wrapped his head around and dug his feet into, he could have definitely been more successful than he already was. And then the next piece here, we go back to the ringside area for the next matchup, which is, of course, a Silent Night, Bloody Night match featuring Relic, which is killer spelled backwards, in case you didn't know. And they will continually tell you that what that is black rain which of course is another persona of dustin rhodes shark boy and abyss relic ends up winning this particular matchup this is just a old-fashioned hardcore matchup featuring lots of gimmicks and stuff here i have note here that uh, there was a barbed wire christmas tree hanging in the ring which the guys tried to use but it just didn't really work out wasn't quite in the corner and it wasn't quite in the middle of the ring so they just had to work around it it just seems slightly disappointing but i have note here also that slightly slightly it was awfully disappointing it was honestly the most pathetic thing in a match with shark boy relic abyss and black rain like how could you get more pathetic than that but it still managed it it was just this little it, it honestly looked like it was just tinsel at some point. And then they threw it at Black Rain. I think it was Abyss and Shark Boy threw it at Black Rain. And, you know, he actually had to hug the thing. You're just looking at it going, oh, poor gold dust. Poor yeah, gold because dust. it's one of those, one of those fake Christmas trees, but it's not particularly heavy. So they're trying to swing it yeah. and it doesn't have a ton of momentum. So. No. It honestly looks like it just bounced off because at this point, again, another another ex WWE guy who'd put on a bit of weight just sort of just bounced would have bounced off and wouldn't hurt, so he had to grab it at the right time and just been like, "Oh yeah, no, this really hurts." <laughs> it's so pathetic. Yeah. I'm noticing here near 2007 uh, TNA we have Shark Boy. I was a little disappointed that it wasn't. Stone Cold Shark Boy, because I would have hugely popped for that, but I'll take what I can get. I just think Shark Boy coming to the ring with the plaster on his fin was was peak. Oh, that that got me. He had the neck brace, and of course he wears a mask with a shark fin, and he had a band-aid, the plaster on uh, the shark fin. It was fantastic. Obviously, I don't get why this was this was going on. I'd like you know because this is a, a first sort of starting point for why i have no idea what's going on with this match why it's happening why he's walking the ring but you spot the wee plaster on the fin and you're like all right he's, he's the guy he's the guy right there <laughs> if i'm not mistaken because i'm trying to remember sort of around this time just before this he was getting kind of beat up by black rain and relics so that would kind of make sense fair 
We see Relic ended up winning the match. If I'm not mistaken, kind of hitting Goldberg's jackhammer. So, hey, <laughs> make it work, brother. I mean, if it works for somebody else, it might work for you too. Uh, there you go. Make it till you make it. All right. Now we cut back once again to Eric's house. Samojo arrives at the Christmas party and yells at Matt Morgan, who's filling in for Jim Cornette as the GM for the night. Joe's outraged that the company can afford cupcakes and booze, but can't raise his salary cap to pay him what he deserves. Thought that was a fair point. Joe tells Morgan to tell Jim Cornette to take his contract offer and stick it, and that they can find him, of course, Joe, at home. Joe then paused and apologized to the other partygoers and wished them a Merry Christmas. But this was no Christmas miracle because immediately afterwards, Joe flipped over a table and threw something at the Christmas tree and then pulled the tree down. Joe, you maniac. It's just good to see Joe is not changed. Like, it's just a more Joe. That's what he does. He wrecks places. Just wrecking the gaff, just destroying <laughs> the Christmas party. Pay me my money. And then just chucks a tree at people. Like, yeah. <laughs> Joe, 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 just, just, just throwing the Christmas tree over. <laughs> All right. After a commercial break, of course, the cameras are, the tape machines are rolling. So we get back and Jeremy Borash is drinking a cocktail as he sits on the floor with Eric Young. And Eric's now ruined party. Eric talks about how everything got messed up, but it would be okay because Santa would arrive soon and he'd be able to fix everything. Borash asks Eric if he understood anything that Angle was trying to tell him earlier about Santa Claus. Eric said that Angle was ridiculous to claim that Shrek and Santa were the same person, but Borash gently explains to Eric that they're both make-believe characters. Eric seems to accept it, but when Santa Claus himself shows up, causes Borash's eyes to bug out, and Eric Young's face to light up with glee. Of course, Eric channeling the kid in a Hallmark movie, this is truly a Christmas miracle. That's legitimately what I got from this, was this entire, like, I, I immediately melted all of the matches away and just went, Eric Young is the star of his own Hallmark Christmas movie. And I don't know if everybody's mother is the same, but my mother has had on all the Hallmark Christmas movies. Anytime I go in there and the TV is on, it's like it's a new silly Hallmark movie. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, why are you watching these stupid Hallmark? Like, it's the only thing on. Leave me alone. And just sat there with her. Sat there with her cup of coffee or something. I'm like this is this was just another Hallmark movie, man. And it was honestly the best thing about this episode of TNA. It's so weird because Eric Young has quite the range of a character, but to see him in this particular instance basically being portrayed as like just a young boy, like a child, you know, kind of in, in endearing and sort of manifesting in the belief in Santa and just wanting everything to work out and type of thing. It's just, it's, it's so interesting to see. I kind of wish they had of, uh, revisited that character for his latest run on impact before he died, because that would have made me laugh so hard. 
if he had, I'd just been like, it's all gonna be a Christmas miracle, and Santa comes in and kills him. Like, that would have been the ultimate betrayal. And I don't know why Impact dropped the ball on this, but now that I'm saying it, it's it's the most horrifying thing, and it should never have happened, so it's fine. Because it's TNA, brother. TNA circa 2007. Alright, so after the Christmas miracle that is Santa arriving on the show, we cut back to the ring, and we have our next matchup, which is the Grab the Reindeer Ladder Match, facing off the the KAZ, Kaz, Frankie Kazarian, taking on AJ Styles. We have uh, here uh, the finish of the matchup. Kurt Angle distracts AJ, and Kaz pushes Styles off the ladder, puts it back up and grabs the reindeer costume head, which was, of course, suspended above the ring for the victory as we see Kaz win. Uh, clearly match of the night. Highlights include AJ backflipping off the ladder into an inverted DDT. And then another huge spot was a hip toss uh, from Kaz off the top of the ladder. Absolutely crazy. This was just a little taste of some X Division stuff. But and AJ, when he was younger, and he, man, he can still 100% go right now. But obviously, the. His style took a toll on his body, so he pulled it back a little bit, but it's always phenomenal to see AJ kind of in his younger days just going full ham, and Kaz was a good foil for him. It, the most disappointing bit about this entire match was Kurt Angle coming down to the ring and doing something ridiculously dumb, and that's distract his guy. I get it. Great storytelling, TNA. Well done in the booking department here. But what was, like, <sighs> AJ Styles at this point in his career was a fantastic wrestler, I do agree. He was a terrible actor. He's like, oh, you want me to keep, you want me to do what, exactly what I'm doing, boss? Okay, yeah. Just what I'm doing, like, right now? Or do you want me to stop? You want me to go or stop? And, and you're just like. Heel, heel wrestlers, brother. Come on. Gotta work, work with the gimmick. I don't know. It's like I've seen some really bad distractions in my time, but as far as things go, this was the worst, most ridiculously dumb spot for a distraction. Like, why not just have somebody run do a run in? Like, what's the point? <laughs> this was so stupid. This was kind of Kurt doing a half run in, sort of. But yeah, yeah, on the wrong guy. I know, I know, on his on guy. The wrong... Yeah. He did it on the wrong guy. Go and attack Kazarian. Don't attack your own guy. So it was weird. just, uh, I don't know, it was just so stupid. We have the fallout of the match here. AJ, com AJ Comedy Pratt falls while trying to put on the reindeer suit. Sales obviously doesn't want to put the suit on, but an army of referees makes him do so anyway. Highlighted, of course, by Earl Hebner, Slick Johnson, and Shane Sewell, of course. Eventually, Angle gets Styles to put on the suit and then proceeds to chew him out for humiliating him by wearing a stupid holiday-themed costume once again, harkening back to a match, if I'm not mistaken, about a month ago where AJ ends up wearing a turkey costume. <laughs> well, gobble, gobble in that bad boy. And then we end the segment, this portion rather, with Angle telling him to go back to his hotel room and repeat, I am not a reindeer a thousand times. <sighs> Kurt. Kurt can do some comedy, but AJ and, and Kurt just playing off each other was fantastic right here. 
Kurt has some of the best comedic chops for an Olympic wrestler that I've ever seen in my life. Like, if it wasn't Olympic wrestling or professional wrestling, he honestly could have made it as a stand-up comedian. He was that funny. And just this straight-faced, just just repeat, I am not a reindeer a thousand times, was just peak uh, Kurt in the uh, cowboy hat singing Jim Crackhorn. Like, that's that's what I got whenever he said, like just whenever he said that, I was like, "That's Jimmy Crack Corn." That's right there. And of course, the episode's not quite over as we get the last segment here. Styles leaves and heads to the back, and then Eric Young comes out with Santa Claus. Santa and Eric Young hand out TNA swag to the crowd. Santa hands Kurt Angle a DVD. Kurt tosses it aside, and gets on the mic because even the talent. Don't want TNA DVDs. Kurt once again tells Eric that there's no such thing as Santa Claus before asking the crowd if they believe in Santa. And they shout that they do while they lead an angle to say, well, you're idiots as well. Angle then says that he's not greedy and actually wants to give a gift to someone else. Tell Santa that he wants to give Christian Cage to grow some balls that show up here tonight. Angle asks for Santa to make that wish come true, but when Santa is unable to produce Christian Cage, Angle clotheslines him and tosses Young out of the ring. Angle gets Santa in an ankle lock, and the cameras cut to a small girl in the audience crying. Kurt Angle, making kids cry, bruh. And then, of course, the... The last portion here, Christian Cage, naturally, suddenly bursts out of a giant present that was part of the set decoration that ran down to the ring to make the save on Santa Claus. I can't believe I can't believe I'm saying that right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Dear. And then, uh, of course, Christian gets ankle in an ankle lock of his own, but Angle escapes, leaving one of his shoe behind. Christian throws said shoe at angle curtain down. Why? Just why? Who? I've watched some bad shows in my time. I've watched some B movies, some Z movies, some whatever movies. But like, as far as cringe goes, this this was. He cringe. I struggled to watch the, this part. I was like, oh no. No, it's as soon as he said, I want Christian to have some, I was like, well, Christian's gonna come out because that's what he does. Of course. And then he burst bursts out of the, the, the press and I was just like, oh my god, so mm, I'm I'm almost kind of glad I didn't watch this whenever it was back in the day, because I probably would have stopped immediately after. The fact that I ended up saying Christian Cage came to the save of Santa Claus from Kurt Angle giving him an ankle lock is a weird sentence to say, but one of those weird things that in TNA, 100% makes sense. Mm. Makes something. But this, of course, is in the midst of Christian Cage and Kurt Angle still feuding. I believe at the next pay-per-view they end up having a match. I forget exactly, but yeah. This was the finale of a quite the interesting episode. Uh, huge takeaways from this, again, was the 
nature of the Eric Young being the fantastical boy of wonder and enjoying the backstage segments. And of course, the gimmicked gimmick matches that bless their heart, tried to make it work, was interesting, but ooh boy, was a quite the tale of two shows, as it were. Yeah, the the reindeer ladder match was definitely what or whatever that match was called right at the end. It was a really good match with a terrible gimmick because even Frankie Kazarian won, tossed the head and left. Like I would personally want to physically dress AJ Styles in that reindeer suit. Why wouldn't you do that? But even Kaz was done. He was like, you know what? these gimmick matches nah man I'm out of here I'm, jobs jobs are good and I'm done where's my winner's purse but yeah oh dear this was DNA alright yeah quite the interesting episode so those were our thoughts on the very special Eric Young's TNA Christmas episode of Impact let us know down in the comment section below what your thoughts were hit us up on Twitter Instagram and just Try to watch it if you can. If you're interested, the lads over at OSW Review have a wonderful recap and spotlight on this episode. So honestly, it's worth it more to check out that episode than actually watch this particular episode of TNA Impact. So feel free to check out the 100% because it's a lot more entertaining. All right, coming up to our next topic here, keeping on the theme of Christmas, we have a dueling Christmas party episode of Monday Night Raw featuring a Vince McMahon Christmas party and a Ric Flair Christmas party. This, of course, takes place on December 24th episode, Christmas Eve, 2001 episode of WWF Raw. And this episode, of course, like I said, features two competing Christmas parties for the talent held by co-owners of the WWF, Vince McMahon and Ric Flair. We start off here at Vince's party. We see the Stooges, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe, dressed as elves. I made a note here of Gerald Briscoe just pounding back beers, getting in the old holiday spirit. Well, I mean, whenever you realize what's to come, that's 100% the reason why he was knocking back those beers. I feel like, which I might probably end up over the course of the, the sort of recapping and describing this episode, part of this was shoot skis and part of this, or shoot skis and guys just hanging out, drinking and enjoying themselves. And part of this were like, oh, wait, I have to, I have to you know, hit my mark and hit my timing and stuff, so... Oh, I've got a line? Oh, oh dear, maybe. (laughs) Cool down on those beer skis, brother. All right. We see Vince grab everyone's attention and ask them to say hello to Bubba Claus. Cameraman pans over to see Bubba Ray Dudley, dressed as Santa with Stacy Keebler sitting in his lap. Seems to be a reoccurring thing. Bubba the heavyset guy dressed as Santa. Except this time he doesn't look too bad. Because, you know, it's six years prior to what he would become. But, you know, he doesn't look too bad in this this outfit. But then again, maybe it's just because Stacey Kleebler's that right there. Fair play. See Vince welcome in Booker T, exclaiming it's all good. Thanking him for whooping Austin's ass. 
Uh, this, of course, takes place about a month after the winner-take-all five-on-five Survivor Series match, which saw Team WWF defeat Team Alliance at Survivor Series. Vince then says, courtesy of Santa himself, here comes Santa's Reindeers, which shows a gaggle of scantily clad women. Naturally, one of the reindeer, Vixen, because of course, gets on a platform and dances for the partygoers, which prompts Booker T and the Big Boss Man to smile from ear to ear. Also have make note here that this was not acting. Booker and Boss Man were for shoot skis excited to see this. Yep. I just, I just... Knowing what we know now, okay, knowing what we know now about everything that happened, it just is not a good look. But you just go back and you go, oh, they're so oblivious. 2001 wrestling. We are still in the Attitude Era. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Bless his heart, y'all. Vince, uh, it's not looking good, brother. But you let this air. (laughs) All right, the next segment here, we cut to Ric Flair's Christmas party, which includes women's champion Trish Stratus, Edge, Albert, and Kane. Kane stands out tremendously, of course, because everyone is in street clothes and Kane is in full gimmick. So weird to see. Uh, Flair screams, Merry Christmas, uh, Big Show. What's up? And both men proceed to do the Flair strut, which was very, very bizarre, though. Flair's party has Tajiri dressed as Santa with Tori Wilson sitting on his lap. Very nice little piece of symmetry there. Tori asks for a present and Tajiri Claus gives her a set of lingerie because the Attitude Era. Yeah, because he's a horny little man. That's all that was. Yeah. (laughs) Just lingerie, which she proceeds to open in front of him and just kind of look at and be happy about it. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, that was that was a way different time. I have an idea of who may have written these backstage segments. Hmm. Oh, same. I think I think we're pretty much thinking the exact same guy. Yeah. I I'm thinking what you're thinking. I think and I'm thinking. Hmm. We have Edge and Albert try to cheer up Kane, uh, and they put some ornaments on him as well as bows on his mask. But the weirdest part is seeing Kane holding a full bottle of rum while talking to both Edge and Albert. So weird to see. It's just the fact that Albert just hands it to him and he holds it and he looks at it and just proceeds to stand there with it, with the bows on his face, which I thought was hilarious. You're just Again, like, in full gimmick. Yeah, and he's the only one there, like you said. like He is legitimately, other than Tajiri, who is sat there? Wait, which room? room am I in? Yeah, it's Tajiri in this one. I was trying to get the rooms mixed up. Tajiri being in a Santa Claus outfit, he's the only one in an actual costume because reasons. Yeah, weird guy just in his full wrestling gear, and everybody else is in street clothes. Literally could have had anyone else stood in this position, but you chose Ian, and then the bottle of white rum. You're like, okay, there you go. Okay. Uh, It's at this point where Big Show proceeds to do a full-blown Hogan impression. Bear in mind that this is December 2001, and Hogan is not in the company. 
Yeah, I wonder if there was any lawsuits <laughs> regarding a defamation case around this time. <laughs> Doesn't work for me, brother. All right, we see Deborah come in with a plate of cookies, saying that Steve Austin should be at the party in a few minutes. Blair starts uh, screaming that Steve Austin is coming to the party. Oh, hell yeah. Woo! Thanks, Rick. That and the fact that it's Rick Flair cheering for Stone Cold Steve Austin, you're just kind of like, this is not a thing that I ever really... I look back at and I go, how did I even think that that was, a go- that was something that was going to happen? Quite the roster that they have in the Fed yeah. at the moment, but it's so weird to see these characters interact all together. So, yeah, you're right. And then we have, of course, Arn Anderson walks in. Blair goes to give him a beer, takes the beer, and then Arn immediately grabs another beer from the table. <laughs> I'm just surprised he's not come in strapped up, okay? Glock Anderson has just not come in with, you know, his, his little piece on his side. He just, I know what I'm about, and I'm about actual Budweiser beer. This is all I need right now. That was probably for shootskis. He was like, uh, "We're having a party. I know there's a camera here, but I'm just I'm gonna have a, a couple beers." So, yeah. Nobody hands me one beer when I enter a room. You hand me a kiss. Get out of my way, boy. And speaking of which, Austin walks in holding a cooler of beer because, of course, I think he actually hands one to Arn Anderson as well. I believe so. So uh, now we have Arn potentially. Uh, Pounding back three beers, so I'm okay. As long as they don't drive, I'm good with that. Austin screams, is this a party or or what? And of course we get a big what chant from the crowd of wrestlers, and he tosses beers to everyone around. Austin turns to Tajiri Claus and says, I made a list for you. Naturally, Tajiri says, what? And they go back and forth for a bit before telling the crowd of wrestlers that in Japanese, what in Japanese means Tajiri understands Austin completely. As of course. Mm, I want to press X. Into doubt. <laughs> yes. All right. And then we see Austin settle right into Tajiri Claus's lap and rattles off his Christmas list. That's creepy. <laughs> a case of beer. What? What? A fifth of Crown Royal. What? Shot at Booker T. What? Some more beer. What? A shot at the Undisputed Championship. What? A brand new pickup truck. What? More beer. What? A deer raffle. What? A deer rifle. What? And another middle finger so I can flip everyone off. Oh my god. He's just peak amazing. I love that man. What were your impressions of Stone Cold Steve Austin's Christmas wish list to Tajiri's Claws? I'm on board with most of it, but the deer rifle, which I didn't know that's what he said because I completely missed it. I was like, okay, whatever. But my, my favorite item on his list is, the, is another middle finger so I can flip people off. Like, wins in. 
that's definitely something that should go on everybody's uh, Christmas list. These are things that there's some obtainable things, obviously a case of beer, some more beer, and then further on down the line, more beer, you know, things that he wants, title shot, bite of Booker T, brand new pickup truck. And of course, you know, and then some things you may not be able to actually get another middle finger to flip more people off. So you dream simple, you dream moderate and you dream big. I'm sure if you give Arn Anderson enough beers, he can find you another middle finger somehow. So Quite possibly. It's a good guy to know. Yeah. We cut back to Vince's party. We see a test hitting on Terry Runnels. Yeah, he points out, he rather, he pulls out mistletoe and says it's your lucky day because he's hard as a rock. Real subtle, bruh. Yeah, bruh. Speaking of rock, which is probably just a shoehorned line in to mention the rock. Speaking of the rock, didn't he beat you on SmackDown? Terry responds. Tess responds with the rock won't win the title tonight. Of course, there's a triple threat match between the champion Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle and the rock on SmackDown. We pan over to Charmel interviewing Maven about recently winning the tough enough competition. Something you naturally do at a party. Charmel yeah. awkwardly, Charmel awkwardly asks if Maven watches the show, and Maven responds saying he loved the grocery store brawl with Austin and Booker T, which happened very recently in terms of the canon of uh, WWF at the time. Booker overhears this and says, uh, "What'd you say about me? You calling me a liar?" Booker then challenges Maven to a match. Bless his heart, Booker T. Uh, so that was a little bit of a rough, uh, rough segment right there with Mathan. Still very, very young and not the greatest of promos. It's, it's, it's really hard to kind of figure out who was at fault for the weirdness of this promo when you consider it was Booker T. And Booker T has done some weird-ass promos in his time. Um... And then you just kind of remember that we go to a world where the best bit about a cage match is Booker T running wild on people. Hey, Booker T making another appearance here on Christmas parties. Hey, It's because he's a big star. He's a big star. Next portion we see, of course, is we cut to Mae Young chugging some punch with the Brooklyn Brawler cheering her on, which is definitely one of the weirder sentences that I've said today. Hmm. Bubba Claus says he can't believe Stacy lost the eggnog match that took place on SmackDown, interspliced with these backstage segments. Devon says she looked good covered in eggnog, though. Remember, this is 2001. Bubba says it uh, should have been a Dudleyville cranberry sauce match, of which Stacy has never lost one of those. First of all, okay. Second of all, now we gotta know how many Dudley cranberry sauce matches that she's actually had, and why is that actually a thing? I'll go to cagematch.net and look that up after the show and give you those stats. Appreciate you, bud. Appreciate Not a problem, you. Yeah. Of course. So yeah, very intriguing. Just having a bit of crack here, so gotta love it. <laughs> The writing is atrocious. All right. Undisputed champion Chris Jericho comes into Vince's party and is upset. 
How can we have a party with Chris has a triple threat match with the Rock and Kurt Angle on this particular episode of SmackDown? Or rather, Raw, excuse me. Uh, Steph, and then, of course, we have Stephanie walks in and says, Hi, Dad. And we get a huge salute chant from the crowd. <laughs> Again, 2001. Stephanie mentions, uh, yeah, Stephanie mentions Vince may not be happy to see her now, but since it's Christmas Eve, she got Vince a gift, which is a money clip. It has Vince's initials on it, and Vince is surprised, uh, suspicious, asking, What are you up to? Stephanie says, I wanted to see you. I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to hug you. Because it's Christmas Eve. Vince says, uh, Don't give me that crap. You're trying to manipulate me. And then proceeds to throw the clip on the ground. Makes it awkward for everyone. This is my party, and I don't want you here. Get out. Get out. Oh, man. Vince ain't looking good for you, brother. Really is not. And, and funnily enough, you're just kind of looking at it as, as just going, oh, it's just a daughter looking to re, you know, get in touch with her father after you know the complications of the previous storyline and then you remember it's it's 2001 wwf and you're probably joining in on those salute chants and i was probably chanting as well so yeah so much confusing energy right now it's ridiculous uh, we have stephanie leaves the party crying and if that wasn't awkward enough everyone is quiet Vince just go ahead and screams, damn it, party, to which everyone decides to grab a drink in a hurried fashion. <laughs> Goodness gracious. It would have been funnier if he had said, everybody, dance now. Yeah. Cut to the Slammy Awards. Stand back, stand back. All right. The next segment here we have Tajiri Claus is handing out presents and Taz appears. Taz mentions, uh, you got a good Santa here, bruh. Vince, uh, Vince is Santa. You don't want to see this guy. Vince is, uh, telling everybody his Santa's bigger, better, tougher, and more jollier than, uh, Tajiri Claus over here, brother. Hang on, what, what is this, what is this Taz impression? Hang on, what, what is this? Where is this Taz impression coming from? Red Hook, brother. All right, okay. Did you? Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Austin decides to jump in and says, Wait a minute. We're trying to start some trouble. We're trying to say Vince's Santa can kick our Santa's ass. Fair point. Looks like Taz, looks like Taz is trying to kick us some trouble. Then Austin says, for the first time ever, Santa versus Santa. Let's see who the toughest is. You want to see that match? Give me a hell yeah. We, of course, we get a hell yeah from the crowd. And, <laughs> and we have apparently Austin just booking a match between Tajiri Claus and Bubba Claus. <laughs> so. the, the power of Stone Cold Steve Austin, okay? He can book whatever the heck he wants. It's strong with the Austin here. And then finally, we wind down these segments with Kurt Angle goes to Vince's party saying he's got to beat The Rock and strip him of his dignity and pride. Mae Young jumps in and says, did someone say strip? 
And Miss no May. And May proceeds to get on the stage and strip while everyone decides to leave the party. <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody did not leave the party. Everyone evacuated the party. They, they, honestly, it's that it's those cartoons from the nineties where you see those outlines of the people hitting the wall. That's exactly what they did. Everyone runs exactly out, right. ru- runs out, cloud of smoke there to yeah. indicate they ran fast. Yeah. And then the final portion here, uh, Steve Austin jumps Vince McMahon from behind a Christmas tree. Austin proceeds to uh, wail on Vince and puts the boots to Vince on the ground, uh, dunks Gerald Briscoe into the punch bowl, slams Pat Patterson's head on the stage the Mae Young is dancing on, and puts Pat's head between Mae's legs. And Pat has the most horrified look on his face as he looks up at Mae Young. 2001 Wrestling. No. No, PT. There's no wrestling about this. This was horrifying. This was Pat Patterson probably had to go into therapy for many years. Honestly, this was this was not something I could condone from Stone Cold. Many things, you know, he's done many horrific things, but this too far. Talk about a time capsule. Once again, this is December of 2001. We just had the end of the invasion angle with ECW and WCW. They lost to Team WWF at Survivor Series, so the nature of Ric Flair coming back and being co-owner, so why they have competing Christmas parties. For this, the notion of bringing a Booker T coming back, and he's sort of in a feud with Austin at the moment, so remembering the grocery store brawl that they had, which is very recently, just before this. And yeah, just seeing all these interesting like personalities, Austin, Flair, like Taz, you know, Tajiri, the Dudleys, kind of all these kind of hodgepodge of all this talent being thrown together and it's just kind of super weird to see but again the nature of kind of it being the end of 2001 and having quite the roster but then also the nature of wrestling that was the attitude era still in 2001 and they could still get away with having this on tv they couldn't probably get away with half of this stuff right now I honestly think if you tried to air this or any part of this on TV, it would completely get removed. There is nothing about this that would allow would be allowed to be shown, like Stacy Keebler, what she's wearing on on Santa's lap, what they're talking about, even the insinuation of the eggnog match, the cranberry match, um, Tori Wilson, uh, with the lingerie test test. The test line, um, bruh, the test line. The test yeah. line, just no, 100% would not be able to get away with it. But I mean, looking back at it, it's just so freaking funny. Like, oh, you realize some of these guys were in an era where there are legends being born here. And some of them are just, I can't believe how bad you were. Yeah, like we said, quite the interesting time capsule of the of the stars here as well as the kind of time frame for storylines. But yeah, like Ed mentioned, 
the folks in the maybe didn't have a speaking role or just sort of hanging out in the back room fodder for the Christmas parties of both Vince and Ric Flair. You can totally tell for shoot skis, they were just pounding back drinks and being like, well, I don't have anything to say or do in the segment. So I'm just going to drink. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a match today. I don't, you know, the only thing I have to do is be an extra here. So give me more of them bud heavies. Just, you know, yep. hundred percent. So quite the interesting notion here. So a little bit different flavor of wrestling Christmas here, but if uh, let us know down in the comments down below in YouTube, what your thoughts were on this episode of WWF slash WWE raw. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what your thoughts were on Ric Flair and Vince McMahon's Christmas party. All right, and one of the final topics we're going to cover here is just what we're calling a look at Christmas in wrestling. So as we've seen from the earlier two segments here, the TNA Christmas episode as well as the Christmas parties for Raw, we have quite the interesting notion of Christmas and the holiday season being celebrated in wrestling. So I have a couple of just kind of bullet kind of rapid fire things here, just a notion of some more indi indications of Christmas and wrestling. We have a December 22nd episode of 1997 episode of Raw here. We have Santa belie believed that, uh, this is an interaction rather, of Santa and Stone Cold, Steve Austin. If Santa believed that Sable would come to the ring and sit on his lap, but it was a child instead, and you can kind of see where this is going. The kid accused him of not being the real Santa, so he kicked the child out of the ring. This prompted Old Stone Cold to enter the ring and interrogate Chris Kringle. Among other things, Austin asked him if he was the real Santa or just a fat piece of trash. Austin <laughs> tested Santa's knowledge when he asked what he wanted for Christmas. Uh, when he was six years old, after being a good little SOB all year, Santa responded by telling Austin a Barbie doll and tiddlywinks, which Austin was not too pleased about. And after input from the embarrassed kid as well as the crowd, Austin decides to hit Santa with a holiday stunner for his troubles. Out of coming. Just Austin. Hitting the stunner on Santa. That's how we go. Santa had it coming right then. We have another instance here. This is from 1997 episode of Raw as well. The probably a more recently replayed moment. The DX gives the fans a very special Christmas present. Stripping down to their skivvies and giving them a nice little Merry Xmas and Christmas thongs. Once again, Attitude Era. Yeah, no. All right, we have uh, the next piece here, December 24th, Christmas Eve again, 2012. Jolly old Saint Mick was handing out presents to the crowd. And we have Alberto Del Rio making his way, his entrance. If you recall, he ends up coming out in a vehicle for the grandioso entrance and accidentally hits Foley Claws with his car. Cut to concerned children in the crowd, Alberto Del Rio making kids cry, bruh. And Santa does the stretcher job to the back. 
<laughs> First of all, it's Alberto Del Rio, like so that's already bad enough that you're making kids cry, cry bruh. But the fact that they actually did the stretcher job. The stretcher job. <laughs> Santa did the stretcher job, man. They didn't even let him walk out. It just oh, like that's how you make kids cry right there. It's like, what about Christmas tomorrow? Got a oh dear, sports entertainment. <laughs> that's that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the next piece we have here is tribute to the troops. Uh, since 2003, WWE has provided an entertaining annual holiday show to honor the men and women of the armed forces. Some years they teamed up with the uh, USO to perform on army bases abroad, while in more recent years they have offered the show stateside to honor both the enlisted and veterans. Many of these shows can be found online or on the WWE Network to relax and enjoy and free of storylines. So these were naturally just sort of one-off shows for the most part. Highlighting here the 2005 segment here taking place on an air base, an Air Force base in uh, ba Bagram, Afghanistan. We have Santa Foley defeats Santa JBL because of course. Yeah. Uh, Joker, I'll just kind of ask briefly, this is sort of, uh, this is the piece that I mentioned here at a 2005 match in question, but since the 2003 tradition of having a tribute to the troops where, uh, WD has been very patriotic. And again, a lot of folks are, you know, sort of backed by the, the servicemen and women of all countries for that matter, that fight to help protect uh, the citizens of their each nations. But I know this is, uh, a more thing that I'm familiar with being American myself, but I mean, is it something that you've seen in terms of for your, I guess, military or sort of appreciation for the armed forces over, uh, over by you? Is that something that you see or that's sort of uh, pronounced? No. And I only want to say that from my own kind of, uh, my own kind of circle of my familial circle, because we don't have military roots. There's no sort of, um, there's no sort of like TV adverts or I, I assume that's sort of more what, uh, would happen over there for, for you. If at that time there would be appreciation shown, there's no real TV adverts around, around over here. At least not that I've noticed. And again, you know, I don't watch TV. <laughs> I just watch the internet. Um, but it's definitely not something that I think from our country is as pronounced as would be in your own. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that it wouldn't be uncommon, especially we had the attacks on September 11th in 2001, and subsequently after, you'd see in, a continued influx of, at least in the States, and I, I was born and raised in New York City, so we saw it a lot in advertisements for joining the various forms of the branches of the military and kind of being pro, pro-patriotic, you know, to your, to your country and things as such, so it's definitely something I noticed in the, in the, sooner times and in referencing in the 2005 era of the match in question all right the next piece here we have uh, a wrestling gimmick which is the christmas creature and the uswa promotion in the 1990s there was a jolly green giant that had no interest in selling you canned corn 
the festive yet frightening Christmas creature was there to terrorize smaller wrestlers and inflict the holiday spirit unto thee. The man inside the Christmas tree slash candy cane inspired outfit would go on to become known as Dr. Isaac Yakum DDS, the next iteration of Diesel, and more famously, Kane in the WWE. Kane. Yeah, I um I have to say I'm I'm kind of happy I missed this uh, rendition of Glenn Jacobs uh, inflicting the Christmas spirit. Did you say? Yes, absolutely. It's a very it's the first time I've ever heard that sentence uttered as well. So there's an awful lot of firsts tonight here. Quite the turn of phrase, if you will. So. Yeah. All right, and then since we've mentioned him before, Mick Foley has quite the fondness for Santa Claus and all things Christmas. On numerous occasions, Mick has dressed up as Santa. In addition, we saw on an episode of Holy Foley, Mick has a dedicated Christmas room with lights, decorations, a tree with ornaments, and numerous outfits. Foley himself has starred in the 2014 film I Am Santa Claus which is of a documentary that follows the lives of five real bearded professional Santa Clauses and one notable, Mick Foley, aspiring Santa as they anticipate and prepare the, ho- the coming holiday season while showing them for who they actually are, flawed, flesh-and-blood men who feel an overbearing responsibility to protect the integrity of the spotless, untarnished reputation of the red suit. If that doesn't wanting to get you to watch that film, I don't know what will. Not gonna lie, I really don't want to watch that film. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a, not the biggest, you know, Christmas person, and it sounds like if I do, I would be subjected to someone who really, really enjoys Christmas and wants to to showcase this, and I'm just like. Oh, bless your cotton socks. I'm just not into this. Turn off. The tagline didn't work. He doesn't want to watch the film. I really don't. Really don't. All right. Um, So I have a little little game here, seeing as how we have a film here. I ended up looking at the I Am Santa Claus on Rotten Tomato. So the tomato meter for this film doesn't have a score based on four reviews, but in terms of the audience score... What do you feel like the audience score for I Am Santa Claus is, Joker? Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna go because I know that there's other movies here and I know what they are, so I'm gonna temper my reaction. And this is on a scale from I... zero to a hundred, B, so this is it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in the middle at fifty-five. I'm thinking that might be high. Okay, so 55 being high. We're going to go with the Price is Right rules, and you are safe. This has a 68% based on 100-plus reviews. That's actually... That's... Okay. <laughs> quite quite interesting. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that being in the nature of a documentary, maybe it scored a little higher. I don't know. So, yeah. Possibly, possibly. And it doesn't stop there, because we have the man himself, Goldberg, starred in the 2005 film Santa Slay. 
After a millennium of spreading Christmas cheer, Santa Claus, played by Bill Goldberg, reverts to his demonic self and gives the gift of fear. I have a review uh, piece. It says, uh, An underwhelming yuletide horror that could and should have been so much better. A massive disappointment to sit down and focus solely upon Santa sleigh would be an ill-advised and this nonsense is best viewed in the background. Kate Hughes of Film Disclosure gave it one out of five. I'm pretty sure that person gave it one out of five because giving it zero wasn't allowed. Probably by their own rating scale. <laughs> Background fodder, it kind of makes sense. All right, so once again, the tomato meter has no score based on four reviews, but what do you feel is the audience score for Bill Goldberg's 2005 film Santa Slay? Okay, so we've got Santa, we've got Bill Goldberg, and we've got him as Santa. Yes. And it's a horror movie. Yes. I'm gonna go... <laughs> I'm gonna go with this thing barely makes it out of single digits, and I'm gonna give it a 10. Alright, keeping with Price is Right rules, you are safe. We have a 44% based on 5,000 plus reviews. 44% is way too high. What? I saw that too. I was like, 44% is too, way too high for this. So, <laughs> All right. And the last bit we're going to touch on here. Of course, you can't go anywhere in wrestling without the brother of brother Hulk Hogan starred in the 1996 film Santa with Muscles. Amnesia makes a mean health food tycoon, played by Hulk Hogan, think he's Santa Claus, especially when it comes to a local orphanage. I have a review here. It's nice and, uh, nice and short. What? It says, who was it that said comedy is not pretty? This is what he meant. Marianne John Johansson, a flick philosopher, gave it 3 out of 10. You paused at the start of that after you said what? I thought that that was the whole review. That would, <laughs> somebody uh, just went. Somebody just went. What? <laughs> that would have been amazing if that was true. But yeah. So. Oh my. God. Yeah. Feel oh. free to not watch this film. By the way. No, I don't think I will. I have seen the promo picture of it, and I honestly think the best thing about. This movie is possibly Hogan's wig because his hair never looked better. Oh, bless his heart, y'all. This is when, like, yeah. He was in his full run of B, C, or, or Z, or Z level movies and then direct, direct TV movies in this kind of era, in this 1996. So I would say don't go out and watch this film. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, uh, another good brother, uh, Brian Zane of Wrestling with Regret, I believe has a brief review of this, if I'm not mistaken. So feel free to check that out if you're interested in this film. But if you're interested about the 1996 Hulk Hogan film Santa with Muscles on the tomato meter, no score based on three reviews, but Joker, 
What do you think the audience score for this film is? That's Hulk Hogan. And I'll give you a hint. It's the lowest of all three. <laughs> well, I mean, I was already considering going lower. That So we've already had, I think, what was the other one? 40-something. Uh, Mick Foley's one was 68, and Goldberg's was 44. So. Okay, okay. Now, is the thing. It is, it, it's, it's Hulk Hogan, and it's in the 90s, right? 1996. 96. I'm going to go with the Joker review of one. Ooh, not quite. You are, uh, fortunately, uh, you got it right. You're still underneath here by still uh, Price is Right rules, but this is an audience score of 23% based on 2,500 plus reviews. 2,500 people watch this piece of crap. And the medium score was 23%. A little too high. No disrespect. Every disrespect sounds awful and he should feel awful. <laughs> it was Why bad and you, you should make... feel bad. Yeah. Exactly. Why would you make this movie? Oh, dear. I needed Hogan. the money, brother. Uh, I mean, well, we already know that's why he made the other movies, but, you know, less said about those, the better. But this one, I just feel like the money wouldn't even have been worth it. I mean, it's no Suburban Commando or, you know, the 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 nanny or film that he was in, or or it's no Trouble in Paradise, but you know, it is Santa with muscles. So that is a little taste, uh, such bollocks. So that is a little taste of a look at wrestling with Christmas being a theme in there. Uh, Joker, I I got a question for you as we wind down here. What is if any, is a piece of uh, Christmas media that you enjoy, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, obviously like full-fledged, you know, Christmas per se, but is there something that you have a fond memory of, or something that you've enjoyed, or, or may potentially look to, maybe during the end of the year? Um. Well, I mean, the last few years, the last, well, good number of years, I think, uh, I'm not really a big Christmas guy, I've said before. Um, so it's really hard to kind of pick out anything that I would normally do. Um, but one that I kind of always fall back on is is Die Hard. Die Hard being a Christmas movie. You're wrong, Bruce Willis. It's a Christmas movie. Legend. Um, so that that's that's pretty much the only thing. Like I'm actually going to sit down and watch it tonight. You know, um, because I was meant I was meant to watch it a couple of days ago. Never, never bothered because I wasn't feeling well. Going to watch that tonight. Have me a merry old time. Watch Hans Gruber fall off Nakatomi Plaza and then go to sleep and wake up and open presents. What about yourself? Well, Die Hard, of course, is a really good example because it's it's one of those where it's takes place during like a Christmas party, essentially. That's kind of the basis of kind of what kind of goes on in the film. But yes, yeah, so Die Hard's a really good thing. Uh, example of it, obviously the nightmare before Christmas is Maybe a Christmas thing, maybe a Halloween thing, but it's another one that has those undertones of kind of Christmas in it, but it's maybe not blatantly a, a Christmas uh, film. Makes me think of also Batman Returns is a Christmas film, but, you know, it's just not overtly, you know, like it's a wonderful life type of Christmas film. But <laughs> I think of like media, so those kind of ones come to mind. Uh, Batman Arkham Origins 
the video game also takes place kind of you know in that time frame um uh more recently marvel's spider-man the miles morales uh dlc is that i know you played the marvel spider-man on your twitch channel uh i believe mm. last year but did you end up playing the miles morales dlc i i played miles morales yeah um yeah it's actually released that as a game um, okay gotcha like full yeah. full full-on game i did play miles morales although well, you mentioned it. i can't actually remember if that was that actually set at christmas yeah it was a holiday themed yeah it's all snowing and stuff like yeah so it was one of those i, I was like oh yeah, Fair enough. I just remember beating up bad guys. Whenever <laughs> I play superhero games, that's all I remember. I don't, I don't remember if it was Christmas or, you know, whatever it was, but I, I just remember beating up bad guys. Naturally. Uh, but for me, honestly, one of the things that I kind of wholeheartedly think of when it comes to holiday media, I think of A Muppet Christmas Carol, because I've watched it a bunch of times. It's probably the iteration of A Christmas Carol that I end up being most familiar with and have watched the most, especially in my younger days. And then I think remembering in our chat yesterday that uh, Michael Caine is actually in that film. So that's fantastic. Uh, but then honestly, every year, uh, 19, uh, a uh, PS one game called parasite Eve that I absolutely love an early survival horrors game. Uh, it takes place over the course of six days from Christmas Eve until New Year's. Uh, it's a very awesome game. Like I said, I play it every year and absolutely love it. So, Muppets Christmas Carol and Parasite Eve kind of end up being sort of holiday treasures for me in terms of media. So quite the interesting notion. Again, you and I come from sort of different backgrounds and kind of different pieces, but we all enjoy a piece of media that may inadvertently not specifically be Christmas, but has some Christmas in there. So I dig it, man. Yeah, yeah definitely. I've heard over the last few days of people's weird christmas traditions and uh things they like to do and honestly you know if i i'm, I'm a wee bit jealous because i just don't have them but then again i just remember that my real christmas tradition is stuffing myself full of food on christmas day and there ain't nothing but, wrong with that and nothing all right so that was our look at wrestling and christmas let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know what your thoughts are in terms of your memories and impressions of wrestling and Christmas. All right, coming up to quick hits. For those, some of our newer watchers and listeners, quick hits are little segments that we enjoyed throughout the week that we may not have gotten a chance to talk about is in a full-fledged topic, but we wanted to share here a sort of Pop the Boys segment that we enjoyed and we wanted to share with you. Joker, I hear that you have a quick hit. I do. I have a quick hit. And I, I feel like it's the same thing again and again and again, but it's another Bloodline quick hit. But this is just because I really thought it was something different. I was captured by it. I was enthralled by it. I enjoyed it. And it's Sammy's promo at the start of this week's SmackDown. It was obviously pre-recorded from last week. So we'll get into it here. Starting off this pre-recorded show, 
the bloodline coming to the ring and honestly one of the best entrances i love the whole bloodline coming to the ring absolutely love it and especially whenever samantha irving just giving it stacks on this introduction she is killing it right now i've always thought that she had a really really good ring announcer voice really really good projection power and everything but i don't know what it is maybe just with gunther coming in she's been able to put a little bit of chutzpah on there and she's just done it for everybody and this is this is fantastic um and interestingly enough michael cole on the way to the ring makes us aware that next week's match on the 30th is roman's first match since june not something that i was aware of because he's always there but he has never fought and this is this is his first match on smackdown since june since junior gotcha it's like it's just gonna happen it's like okay i'm just whatever so paul Heyman uh takes the microphone and you know he does the whole spiel uh, my name is paul Heyman, oh, and he gives and he gets his pop and i love it when he gets his pop whenever everybody just repeats after him and after he gives us the, the coming events the rundown of the coming events where the uso is going to beat hit row it's not a prediction it's a spoiler um and solo is going to take out sheamus next week he mentions that sammy and roman will smash ko and jc don jenna but at the mention of roman's name everybody's going nuts and roman just holds out his hand as if to give me the mic it's my it's my turn to talk wise man and as he's about to start talking everybody's just chanting sammy 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 and you just you can just look at it and everybody is trying to keep a straight face i love the fact that they're trying their hardest but at some point they've kind of given up they're like we know we know sammy is the most popular member of this bloodline roman tells us that he's going to smash someone because he has made multiple millions of dollars whipping John Cena and KO because that's just what I do but he wants to know what the honorary use is going to do because the minute he's looking a little flustered he invites him to just get it off his chest this is just Sammy has been in the background sort of you know back and forth bouncing on his feet Sammy just pricks up and he takes a wee step forward and he says that all he's ever wanted is a little respect it's all he's ever wanted and a place to belong. He says that after all these years, he's finally found that. And that's with the hottest group in the history of the WWE. And honestly, he's 100% right. But in my opinion, I think it's kind of because of Sammy that this is the hottest group in the WWE right now. Just see our previous... Uh, quick hits where we've just been absolutely gushing over Sami Zayn. he has finally found family and respect and they love him and he just kind of looks and he's like they, he doesn't even look at them they love him and they're just you know a couple of them are giving nods you know jimmy's like nodding roman's roman's giving a bit of solemn respect and the city is giving him a bit of a cheer and acknowledging that they love him too and it's fantastic to see if he if it wasn't such um an ish-eating uh heel promo you would kind of almost want Sammy to start giving a wee bit of a teary eye here, you know, 
uh, embracing it, getting his flowers and all this here. And he says, even though he has all this now, it doesn't make him happy because there's still this black cloud hanging over his head, a black cloud called Kevin Owens. Mentioning, obviously, last week's apparent ceremony that you know we were led to believe by Jay that was his sort of ascension into the family. Uh, that ceremony where it was he was supposed to be made part of the family, how it was his big moment, but it was ruined not just by KO, but just by his existence. Like all KO had to do was exist, and he freaking ruined it for Sammy. And he's now upset, he's angry, he's sad. But he starts looking a little manic as he mentions John Cena. He's obviously being brought back. And what do you think you're doing, John? You think you're coming to upstage us, the bloodline? He lets Kevin Owens know that we are the show. Like, he's not going to get upstaged. And I thought this was really, really powerful because he just comes to the front of the ring and starts shouting and screaming. He loved it. Because his his promos are always kind of funny. They're always calculated. They're always sort of level and peace. Fantastic. But throughout this promo, if you've been looking at Roman, he's had this little smug little grin. He's been chatting away and he's been saying, you know, confirming things. But as Roman has this smug smile on his face, most uh, particularly because as long as Sammy has the mic, there's no point in trying to keep a straight face, in my opinion. Like, Sammy could say something that will just make him eight-ish and break. Like, let's face it, he's done it before. We all remember the, the initial Usi promo where Jimmy and Roman nearly lost it and they had to reel it on back in. Um, the smile he has, though, in my opinion, you might want to look at it a little bit deeper. It's a knowing smile. This man knows something. This man is several steps ahead. As Sammy continues his tirade against John Cena, Jimmy and Roman are nodding along because they're the only ones in this camera angle that you can see. I'm impressed with how Sammy's performing. He finishes off, Sammy this is, finishes off saying that um, John and Kevin better be uh, prepared, rather, to acknowledge the tribal chief. Roman just, you know, consoles him, gives him a big hug, gives him, uh, gives him all that good work. Sammy's all good, you know. It's all good. And then just looks dead into the camera with that Roman Reigns look. He's just. And then he starts to say something, and you can't quite make out what he's saying, but I'm pretty sure it's along the lines of, I can see you, Cena. We always could. It's such a bad gimmick. We didn't want to embarrass you, so we never told you. We could always see you. Like It's literally just putting your hand in front of your face. So, I mean, to top it all off, I think Sammy's promo was fantastic, heartfelt, was the, 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 the metal of a man who's finally snapped and wants rid of this guy who's trying to ruin the sense of belonging. And then you have Roman who's like, bring them in, boys. There's nothing you can do about it now. The real, the passion the vulnerability the intensity of sammy's promo i think was really something that kind of drew me in 
I think it's one of those where at a certain point you can feel him almost maybe look like he might get a little choked up or whatever it was, but man, he was, he was giving you all the feels. And then mm-hmm. at other point, man, as as you see sort of Roman kind of give a little smirk or that. And then at the end, when a camera zooms in and you see him and he's got this kind of smug smile, you know, kind of devil inside, something's going on. You're trying to read it and you can't quite exactly know it's, but I'm in agreement with you. Something, this guy's either knows something or is plotting something or something's going on. Oh, he's, he's steps ahead, that guy. Like, you know, for a fact, he is already past the 30th like he knows what's going to happen but yeah just all around just great promo and this is another example of guy these guys firing in all all cylinders and yeah just what a way to uh to set up the match upcoming with uh the return of john chenna like you mentioned so should be uh i can't believe like you you said the piece that michael cole said Roman's first match on SmackDown since like the summer. That's pretty crazy. So granted he yep. he's not there every week and you know, but yeah. I mean the last match he had was obviously the uh the uh War Games. This match Survivor Series was trying to remember that part. Yeah. Um it was the Survivor Series War Games match, but obviously that that last match on SmackDown, like six months. Like it's like, wait, what? Really? Holy Oh, that's nuts. Kudos to the guy being able to get paid and be the champion and not have to work literally like every loop in every show. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. some folks can be frustrated over that nature, but the dude's getting paid and he's, you know, saving bumps on his bump card and trying to prolong his, his, you know, experience and exposure in the business. So, you can get it go ahead and get that bag man for sure 100 i mean i've seen i've seen pictures of him that he's done you know different loops and stuff I don't know how old they are but like of him getting mean mugged by this little kid in the front row and then him like five minutes later mean mugging him right back so like i mean he probably does do some house shows the odd time um but like yeah like you said like taking uh taking that time to let your body recuperate he's staying at the top um it's definitely fantastic that he can uh, he can get away with it. Um, but he's he's slowly turning into that Brock Lesnar that everybody hates. And uh, sooner or later, we will see and hear the references um, before uh, before he's taken away from us by the Hollywoods. Fair point, I feel. So that was a phenomenal promo by sammy and then the little character work by roman and the other members of the bloodline fantastic all around thank you for sharing that just another amazing segment from the bloodline itself so that was the quick hit that we have for this week if you have a quick hit that you'd like to share something you enjoyed feel free to let us know down in the comment section below on youtube or hit us up on twitter instagram and let us know if you have a quick hit and what you enjoyed from this week in professional wrestling. All right, so that about wraps up this very special holiday-themed episode of Kayfabe Council. Joker, how was that for you? Because this was quite the interesting and fun episode, man. 
yeah there was stuff there that i was like okay so this is what you want to do pt no problem solid i'm sitting watching all this stuff and i'm just like oh my goodness this this just makes me hate christmas even more <laughs> it was cringe but it was fun it's one of those things where like i said this is a little bit different format and a little bit different take on a show that we would do naturally much like a television show or as we've seen wrestling where we do a little something slightly different for the holiday season but this was just an example of some of the bollocks and absolute shenanigans and just weirdness that is the sports entertainment business and wrestling has to do with trying to be kind of homely and and hokey when it comes to christmas and we've seen it runs quite the gamut for sure Oh yeah, and you can also see that some people cannot get away with not playing Santa at every opportunity. Bubba just it's always it's always on the heavy side guy, man. Come on, what are you trying to say? He's he's a natural Santa, like except for the fact that, you know, maybe his suit doesn't fit sometimes. Yeah, that's on the props department <laughs> for getting him an outfit that fits, so can't can't necessarily knock Bubba for that. Unless he supplied it himself from his own home stash, you know, maybe he is just a maybe he is a Santa Claus at a mall every uh, every couple of days in the year. Maybe like Mick Foley, he is a Santa enthusiast. I don't know. Maybe, possibly, quite possibly. But thank you once again so much for coming along on this journey with us. Like we said at the top of the show, it's a kind of fun time of year. But I know not every person has always has sort of the great headspace to have uh, a wonderful time towards the end of the year and around the holidays whether it be friends and family or kind of on your own so we appreciate anyone who gives us a watch or listen and if you are watching or listening to this and this particular week when it debuts we hopefully hope that you have a wonderful holiday season once again a merry christmas a happy hanukkah happy kwanzaa a festive a festivus all of the holidays just an overall holiday season so if this could be something that can brighten your day on an otherwise potentially happy or maybe a slightly low day we hope that this can bring you a little joy and thank you so much for all the support that you've given us this year so thank you 100 percent. thank you can't i can only echo what pt said um yeah definitely the uh expectation was not very high for ourselves uh, as we set off on this journey earlier this year um so that has been a fantastic christmas present you've just given us right the way through until now um so thank you very much for that and uh definitely uh enjoy your holiday period and um for those of you who don't celebrate or don't wish to celebrate uh just stay safe be good and uh, make sure you uh, look after yourselves. Wonderfully said. So, for TF Joker, Merry Ho Ho Ho, take it easy, and have a drink from me. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Happy holidays. Peace.